0: The press box with granny and bischoff weekday mornings at seven on espn las vegas k-w-w-n and las vegas from the finley toyota studio it's coalfield and company
1: Derek white has the steal white trying to run Jimmy we butler on him he goes past him runs it off the glass and it falls in right hand dribble Orford waiting for him white got down. Here's a steal. Ball knocked away from Struz by Horford.
2: Outlet from pressure to White. Love to Tatum. Tatum left side three is good. He's got
0: 31 in 30 minutes. It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas.
2: Alright, here we go on a Tuesday. Cofield and company. Cofield. Adam Candy is the company. Busy, busy day today. We'll get into the Aces game last night. Candy, how you doing, buddy? Well,
3: uh, Steve, I've had better days overall. Uh it's 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 not a uh it's not a great day for for the stick to sports crowd. Um, I'll say that much. It should be hard for me to Muster up the usual energy given the, the news out of Texas, but you know what? Uh, we're going we're gonna to try to stick to sports.
2: Yes, we are here to uh, lighten things up. We start out with a little news from Running Rebel Basketball. This is interesting as they put together the schedule for the uh, 22-23 season. Looks like they're going to have a non-con uh, portion of the schedule. Will there be in San Juan Capistrano? Are you familiar? I I
3: am familiar with San Juan Capistrano. Um, I I, I don't know. Are are the Swallows invited to the tournament?
2: I don't know. I I really don't know anything about it. I know very little about the OC. I've been to some of the beach towns, but beyond that, that's about it. But, uh, yeah, UNLV is going to be involved in uh, something called the SoCal Challenge, November 21st and 23rd. Um, I think it's really important for UNLV to uh, operate – kind of separate from the rest of the conference. If the middle and the bottom of the conference want to play no one out of conference, I still think it's always the job of UNLV and the schedule makers to make sure that they get some premium games here in Las Vegas, get some home and homes, or maybe just home if it's at T-Mobile. So they got to be aggressive. Uh, this is along those lines, uh, depending on how the matchups work out. So they're going to be in the SoCal challenge. Jay Serra, the high school, the pavilion 2000 seat arena uh, sort of have like a, Maybe a Maui Classic, Maui Invitational feeling. And the teams in their division uh, will be Southern Illinois, Cal Baptist, and Minnesota. So you would hope there's a chance there they get a Big Ten opponent. And uh, we're off and rolling in terms of a little bit of knowledge of what UNLV is going to be doing during the basketball season from a scheduling standpoint. I can't can't wait to see the rest of the schedule roll out. I hope it's hyper-aggressive.
3: Yeah, I mean, for UNLV, I think this is a realistic target, right? Uh, You don't necessarily want to go into another revamp, rebuild mode and be taking on Kansas and North Carolina uh, on this kind of schedule. It's not something that I think is going to go very well for Kevin Kruger's second-year team, but you do have the chance to play a Minnesota. Uh, You do have the chance to play a team, you know, Southern Illinois, Central Michigan. The Directionals can rise up every now and then and and be interesting so you know i, I think it's a it's a good idea for UNLV lv to you know just test itself against let's call it reasonable competition
2: vegas gets official news today that uh we won't be getting the nfl combine anytime soon now here's the thing we didn't want it we didn't put in for it the LVCA wasn't active in putting in for it i was pushing for it adam hill was uh, basically because of his own convenience and the rest of the uh dork nfl writers they like indianapolis and the convenience of it uh, but they announced today that it'll be staying in Indianapolis for the next couple of years. I saw Jim Ursay bragging that Indianapolis is built for events like this. It is a tourist town, I guess an event town it doesn't really, I think measure up uh, in terms of quality to Las Vegas. But one thing I did see in the story, which I um, yeah, already knowing that LBCVA didn't put in for Las Vegas power brokers didn't want to hear the impact supposedly is $9.6 million. Isn't that like, Just about every event we bring to Las Vegas, is that or more?
3: Uh, You have to separate it out for gaming impact and non-gaming impact, and that's generally what the LVCVA will do, is tell you how much it's going to mean in terms of hotels and shows and restaurants versus how much it's going to mean in terms of gaming. Um, Color me stunned at Adam Hill choosing something for his own convenience over the good of anything else. Uh, But just bastard even over Vegas. Yes. uh, Dallas and Los Angeles were part of the consideration as well for the NFL combine um, you know I, I mean from the NFL perspective I can see it in as much as this it wouldn't take more than a couple of prospects who were supposed to be you know top prospects testing poorly and pictures of them at a club the night before comes out for everybody to question the wisdom of this sure. being in Vegas so I get it from that perspective I will say Jim or say coming out and talking about Indianapolis as An event town is just fantastic content because nothing could be farther from the truth. I have been in Indianapolis uh, twice in the last couple of years for summer events. And let me tell you, I was not clamoring to
2: stay any longer than I had to. Yeah, you and I both. I've been there a few times, and I could take it or leave it. So good for you, Indy. You got your uh, premium event. You're going to be there at least the next couple of years, uh, the Combine, uh, in Coltsland. Hockey Tonight, uh, on the heels of Tampa destroying Florida in four, we'll get into uh, if Tampa is a good bet uh, for the Stanley Cup the rest of the way, Sammy P, Sam Paniatovic from Nessun is going to join us in about 90 minutes or so. Uh, Tonight, uh, everyone's favorite coach outside of VGK, well, VGK doesn't have a coach, I guess it's everyone's favorite coach, Gerard Gallant, the former Knights coach, four o'clock start, taking on Carolina, Canes lead the series two to one, and... Galant basically said, uh, hey, that nonsense at the end of the game where we got, uh, you know, fisticuffs going on in a game that we won, uh, we have Ryan Reeves. So if you want your ass beaten, keep doing it.
3: Yeah, Domi's kid ain't exactly Ty Domi. So let's not uh, let Max Domi try to take up for dad with uh, what Gerard called, quote, BS at the end of the uh, Rangers (laughs) win against the Canes a couple nights ago. So... You know, for Vegas fans who are pining for a little play the hits, a little bit of the greatest hits album, you can watch the
2: Rangers tonight. Are you, well, no, you know what? I was going to ask you a stupid question. You can't root for the Rangers. You're a Devils fan. I had a friend who just assumed I am a New York sports
3: fan text me after the first round when the Rangers got out of the first round and was like, LGR, let's go Rangers. Like, that is the cruelest cut that you could send to a Devils fan. So I am happy to see Gerard Gallant having success, though, because I'm among the crowd who did not think Gerard Gallant should have been fired in the first place. I'm among the crowd who didn't think Pete DeBoer should have been fired either. So I don't know. Maybe I just love my institutions and don't want anything to change. Would you bet the Rangers? I don't think that's the case. Would you bet the Rangers series plus 280? No, not at all. Uh, Carolina is a clearly better team than the Rangers. Carolinas uh, should win that series, I would say, in no more than six. Um, And as for what you mentioned earlier about Tampa, uh, Toronto had its chance. It was there. It was right in front of Toronto to knock them out. You asked me when you made your two bets on the teams that were behind in the East and on Boston and on Tampa Bay, which one I like better. I told you I like Tampa better and now Tampa is back to being Tampa. Oh, thank you so much for
2: mentioning all the winning I've done. During the NBA and NHL playoffs, I think that may be the only bet I've won. <laughs> was the, I was the Tampa series down two-one.
3: I am I am a Steve Cofield stan. Everyone knows that.
2: Oh God, I appreciate it so much. You make me look like I'm a, a winning gambler sometimes. So speaking of the Golden Knights, we've got the battle for Vegas softball coming up in the middle of July. That is a charity game featuring a bunch of the Golden Knights, led by Riley Smith, against a bunch of the Raiders. We'll see who's involved. From the Raiders side, he was on the press box this morning right here on ESPN Las Vegas. We love that show, so we're glad to play uh, back Riley Smith and what he was saying. And the guys were talking about the coaching situation, and they got his thoughts on Pete DeBoer being fired.
1: It's a tough situation. It's not exactly a fair league for for coaches, and I think there's a lot of turnaround because, you know, if a team... for whatever reasons, if it's injuries or just bad or poor play, it's easier to get a new coach than a whole team. And I don't think that's fair, but it seems like that's the trend in the NHL. I think Pete has done a great job with our team. Like you said, three coaches in five or six years. It seems like a lot, but you know, I was in Florida and we had two coaches in two years and it seems like that's just the trend. You know, I'm sure Pete will find a, a new home and in, in somewhere where he's able to transform a team, I think like he did with us. But yeah, it's just one of those tough situations that, that's part of the business.
2: Very weird. You get a player there saying, hey, Pete DeBoer is going to land somewhere else. You had Kelly McCrimmon last Monday say, hey, you know this, this was a success. Pete did a good job, and everyone in the room is like, wait, but you're firing him. I know, Candy, you just mentioned a couple seconds ago that you didn't agree with the firing, and you did go on record. Very important when Candy goes on record. He did go on record weeks ago saying, because we would started talking about DeBoer that Monday. They trotted him out there, right, before he had to wait two weeks to find out he was fired. But, Candy, you said – hey, he should stick around, um, You know, especially if we're going to lean on this injury crutch. Then certainly the coach needs to stay around if injuries were the main reason for having a less than scintillating season.
3: That's why Kelly McCrimmon appeared to be trying to get two different messages across to everyone that are conflicting with each other at that presser. And to his credit, I think he understood that he was trying to get two conflicting messages across, which makes me think that maybe, just maybe, For the unified front that was put up that maybe this was not a unanimous decision on Pete DeBoer out of VGK. Because Kelly McCrimmon said that it's not about last year. It's about next year. It's about having a new voice in the room. Okay. Well, a new voice talking to whom? Because the voice that talked to the Golden Knights last year talked to a lot of different Golden Knights. And the voice that was talking to the Golden Knights when they were all assembled and in one piece, before they had Jack Eichel, went to the Western Conference Finals and lost to Montreal. And they had been in the Western Conference Finals the year before that as well. So if you need a fall guy, make him your fall guy, that's fine, but you're wrong. You're absolutely wrong. And for those who asked Kelly McCrimmon, well, what does it say about the front office if you're going on your third coach in six years? he's sure as hell not going to point the finger directly at himself but it's a reasonable question to say why was Bill Foley so quick to sign on to McPhee and McCrimmon and yet they let DeBoer dangle and then eventually fired him
2: Riley Smith on the press box also talked about uh, when they're looking for a new coach keep in mind Riley Smith is not signed Uh, we'll get into that in about 20 minutes about what he thinks uh, his future is with the Knights but uh, he did give his advice on what he thinks the coach should be using in terms of style.
1: You know, it's tough because there's so many different facets in games and um, a lot of people different ta- or talk about different styles. You know, I-, I think we're a highly skilled team, probably better than we've ever had. Maybe play like an open, looser game. You know, I was pretty impressed with how fourth, the Florida Panthers played this year. It seemed like no matter what, they could be losing by four goals in the third period, and somehow they'd scored six or five to, to end up coming back and winning. And they had a lot of skill on their team, and I, and I think that, you know, we can match that. And fans like scoring goals, right? And they, they like watching that. So, you know, I, I think that that would be a, a main focus of, you know, maybe a transition game or something that can get us going up the ice because we have a lot of fast players.
2: Wow. Now that is fascinating because we had a team that had a whole lot of trouble scoring all year. Uh, Riley Smith is saying hey this is a team that can get up and down transition so was it the injuries was it DeBoer limiting them um, and by the way I love the idea if if you know I don't know if you agree that this roster could be a high scoring roster hell comparing him to the Panthers is pretty impressive you're talking about one of the greatest goal scoring teams in the history of the NHL what do you think of that
3: I think Riley Smith was here in 2017 when this team's game was speed and more speed and more speed after that. They were beating teams up and down the ice consistently in year one. Now, part of that system that they were playing with Gerard Gallant was, you're going to give up chances at the other end. Well, if you're going to give up chances at the other end, you need a Marc-Andre Fleury to be stopping those chances. That's how VGK survived in year one. Their Corsi 4 was fantastic because they were creating so many chances, but that didn't come at the... Lack of expense of chances against them. Marc-Andre Fleury was just stopping them. They couldn't do that this year, and that is the big difference. And Riley Smith is also saying one more thing, Cofield. You know what he's saying? I ain't coming back if you hire Barry Trotz.
0: Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Heavy forecheck here. Shot from Contrary and it's a hat-trick! Some Kadri, as the Colorado Avalanche
3: are now up by two in the third period.
0: Now back to Coalfield and Company in the Finley Toyota studio. Yeah, the
2: Avalanche are kicking booty, and uh, that was some sweet revenge from uh, Nazem Kadri' hat trick. As if you've been following what's going on the last couple days, you had the uh, Kadri mix Bennington mix-up, Bennington. Likely out for the postseason. I mean, it's not going to matter much because the Blues aren't going to survive. And then you had the allegations, and actually messages were posted up on social media yesterday about uh, nasty stuff being said by someone. Someone. Kadri's actually been nice, and he's like, uh, listen, I don't know if it's all St. Louis fans, but uh, it's getting messy. It's getting nasty. We'll get back to it here in about 10 minutes. So speaking of nasty and messy, Candy airports can be that way, and it seems to me. Well, it was always an on-edge type of place, airports, but since COVID and the rules that were put in place, and now we're coming out of COVID, uh, people and their decorum has just—they've gotten worse. Lots of people, and we just saw a video the other day of a United Airlines agent throwing hands with some bigger dude now it turns out that bigger dude is who uh
3: that bigger dude is Brandon Langley a former Broncos receiver who's playing for the Calgary Stampeders of the CFL right now all right good size guy right he is a professional football player so (laughs) yes he is a good size guy
0: so describe what's on this video because uh
2: I don't know maybe this guy uh the gate agent I guess it's not even a gate agent whatever it's in the uh, the check-in area united airlines maybe he has gotten in some uh some hand fighting before and uh thought it smart to come out and and challenge someone now the root of this is kind of interesting but what exactly happened that we see on video
3: so what we can actually see on the video needs a little bit of context to add to it so what happens here is that apparently the football player langley is using a wheelchair to move luggage Okay, not the intended use of the wheelchair, but seems a little bit more like a minor sin than a major one. And the employee asked him, we don't know how, because it's not on the video, not to do that, to to get the luggage out of the wheelchair. Well, what we can see on the video is that this escalated up to the point where uh, the United Airlines employee, who looks like a cross between Joey Fatone and Horatio Sands... Uh, decides <laughs> that he's going to go for a square-up and an open-hand slap at the football oh player. Yeah. The football player looks at someone who is with him and says, did you see him just assault me, I think is what he said, or hit me, one or the other. Right. He then turns back to Horatio Fatone and wrecks him. I mean, one blow straight to the chin, that knocks him back toward the baggage check-in area and another that basically knocks him over the counter onto the baggage uh carousel thing in the back that yep. cuts a gash open on his head but then the the united guy decides I'm done and it's going to come back for more and and the football player looks at him and goes you want more? You really want more? And finally after a good minute of this someone from united steps between the two of them and de-escalates the whole thing, probably once they got done laughing at this guy step into a football player. Uh, no one is right here. There's been an assault charge filed against the football player. It's kind of hard not to when there's a video that looks like this. But I think it's pretty clear who instigated this thing. I mean, the gate agent
2: didn't get in a pretty good slap. Oh, yeah. I mean, look, if this were... No,
3: it's,
1: not like he's,
2: it's not like he didn't land anything, so it's not It's not oh. just the football player, no, no. player who's no, at it... fault, but in terms of the escalation, it's it's like three different times there's escalation from the airline employee, and that employee has been fired. My guess is that he'll try to sue this CFL player, and now the CFL and the, what is it, the uh, Calgary Stampeders, a- as they would, you know, basically more from a legal standpoint than anything else. They said, you know, we're going to reserve comment until we do A full investigation. I'm not really sure what's going to come out of the investigation. Will it be a harsh penalty for using a wheelchair for luggage? Because that's about the only thing you could get him on. What exactly would that penalty be? I don't know. By the way, does
3: he have to sit in the middle seat on his next flight? Like, come on. no. Uh,
2: No. Now that. Too far. whatever, Whatever happened. That is too much.
3: I've once again stepped over the line. Yes, Habitual line stepper, Adam Candy, suggesting that a middle seat is proper penalty for using a wheelchair <laughs> for luggage. I mean, I do appreciate most about this entire situation that the uh, the CFL player, Brandon Langley, uh, after getting slapped pretty hard, yeah. uh, looks over at I'm guessing someone who is with him and <laughs> just like make sure. You saw that right because it's someone else filming this whole encounter like you you saw what he did right like making sure okay you have proof he started this
2: right okay cool i got a witness okay this fool's going down i actually think that the united airlines employee is kind of lucky that he met a guy who doesn't look like he likes to throw hands much oh it was measured That that, that could have been been a lot worse, Candy, a lot
3: worse. And I have seen many people tweet some version of we're very disappointed that the United employee didn't fall all the way onto the
2: luggage trolley so that he just got carried right through the little uh, flaps right into the back. And he got busted open because like Candy said, he flipped over something, hit his head on something. By the way, uh, Langley is listed, I think, at about six foot, 200 pounds. So, your description of, who was it? Joey Fatone. And Horatio Sanz. Your description of him, uh, it might be an insult to both of those. Are they that short? Because this guy looked to be about five inches shorter than this football player. So, five inches shorter. So, we're probably looking at someone who is 5'6", 270. And to put it, uh, most kindly barrel-chested?
3: barrel wasted maybe. Uh, barrel wasted Uh, he, he, They honestly looked like they were a full-on combination of, like I said, Joey Fatone and Horatio Sands comprised completely from dough, clay, and Cheetos.
0: Finley Toyota, they'll do anything to sell you a car. No Toyota problem is too tough, too large, or too small. Keep your Toyota running like a toyota
1: now back to cofield and company we saw the story about online posts and some threats made toward you death threats made towards you racist threats made towards you hey man unfortunately i've been dealing with that for a long time you know that's uh, sad to say but that's just the fact of the matter. I'm getting good at just putting it in the rearview mirror. It's a big deal. I try to act like it's not. I just keep moving forward. So, you know, that's what I do. And, you know, I know that doesn't reflect uh, those, some of those messages I got. It doesn't reflect every single fan in St. Louis. But for those that, that hate, that one's for them. <laughs>
2: Do it. Love the hockey organ. Love the hockey organ, and a good way to pay tribute, Candy, to the self-anointed best fans in America, St. Louis fans. Good on you guys. Cadre letting you off the hook there, but uh, not on the ice where he had a hat trick, and now the Avs are out to a comfortable lead in the series. There are a lot of good hockey players. Good for their community. I think the Knights have been relatively good for this community, and. Battle for Vegas, the softball game's coming up again. The third year they've done it, Riley Smith heads things up on the VGK side. You can get your tickets for the game at LV Ballpark on July 18th at battleforvegas.com. Gates open at 530, home run derby at 630, first pitch, 730, game fireworks following the game. That's why they're post game. So Riley Smith was on the press box this morning, our excellent morning show, and they did a lot of hockey talk. Uh, We played you his reaction to Pete DeBoer being fired and what he thinks um, would be a good match. He didn't name a name, but in terms of style, would be a good match for VGK with its next coach. But he got into Battle for Vegas, and it is all for charity, and we talked about uh, what Battle for Vegas is benefiting.
1: Well, when we were setting up this whole event, I think our our main guideline or where we wanted to align our uh, our goals was to be able to benefit uh, local families and, and kids, and I think both of those charities, Maximum Hope, Um, They do a great job really raising money for families who have a child that's going through a life-limiting situation. You know, Brad Garrett actually started that uh, charity, so it's nice to be able to align with him, and and hopefully he can make it out to the softball game, uh, maybe throw out a first pitch or something. And then communities and schools, I think education is so important, and they really do a great job putting kids in, in a one-on-one environment where you know they can be taught a lot and really putting kids in the, the situation, the environment where they can learn and have adults really engage with them on a one-on-one basis.
2: Riley Smith also talked about why charity is so important to him.
1: I think I've always wanted to do something and really give back to the community. Um, being able to come to Vegas, I felt like we were embraced and we were welcomed since day one. So I've never really been on a team long enough to, to be able to put something <laughs> together and then being able to play here for you know, the past five years, it seemed like the, the perfect spot. And it's just such a great community that that people outside Vegas don't understand. So it's been a goal for me and being able to have the longevity I've had in the NHL. I'm very fortunate. And, and i really just like to be able to give back. And I think kids and um, kids in need is the main focus for me.
2: Frustrating season for Riley Smith, who was beat up like a lot of the other nights and, you know, not in the playoffs. So we talked about not making the playoffs and also an update on his health.
1: Team this year, we went through a lot of injuries, and it's definitely tough watching the playoffs right now because, you know, we feel like we could have been there. Yeah, I'm good. I'm pretty healthy. You know, it was definitely tough watching games and and not being able to be out there with my teammates and and help us with that push at the end. But, you know, I'll I'll use the summer to get fully healthy and hopefully be back in, uh, you know, the Vegas Gold next year.
2: Okay. That was interesting at the end there, Candy. Hopefully be back in the Vegas Gold next year.
3: I mean, he can read a salary cap the way the rest of us can read a salary cap and see that you know a guy who's in that 5 to 6 million dollar range is probably not going to be the easiest fit for the Golden Knights considering all the commitments they already have to Jack Eichel, Mark Stone, Alex Petrangelo on and on and on guys who are making big big money it's going to be challenging for the Golden Knights to fit Riley Smith who was a trade candidate for most of this season just because of that salary situation.
2: Listen to Riley Smith here with the follow-up on his future with VGK and see if he leaves it open multiple times that maybe a discount could happen. Like he loves Vegas so much, maybe they could get him on the cheap, but he addresses the uh, the question, have you spoken with management about a new deal?
1: Yeah, we've talked and um, I'm very hopeful that I'll be able to stay here. You know, I, I think Things have to kind of keep progressing in the right direction. But, uh, you know, I'm very hopeful, you know, hopefully that I can play the rest of my career here. It's It's been great for me, my career, my family. So, you know, I wouldn't want to play anywhere else. Honestly, a couple of years ago, you know, I thought being a UFA would be super cool. And you can kind of record a bunch of different teams. But, you know, the situation I'm in and I've fallen in love with this city. I, I love the teammates. I love the organization. I really just want to play here. So, you know, that, that's my my main goal. So, if that doesn't work out you know you have to look otherwise but you know i'd love to be able to play the rest of my career here.
2: you think his agent called him up and he's like all right all right no more radio appearances and i'm going to say that kind of stuff
1: yeah
3: really uh, the one thing you could say about someone giving a hometown discount to the golden knights is that a hometown discount might not be much of a discount depending on where else you might go taxation in other states is not as friendly as it is here in nevada so if you make a A million dollars more playing for the Los Angeles Kings uh, that million dollars doesn't really go anywhere other than into the coffers of the state of California so it might be about the same depending on where you end up Toronto
2: taxes yeah
3: that goes straight into the Queen's pockets does the Queen have pockets
2: Uh, California and Toronto cost of living real estate in both areas you don't get the same house that you get in Vegas in those two spots not for the same money.
3: Accurate information. So Riley Smith has a lot of considerations, but the biggest consideration of all is going to be how can the Golden Knights maneuver the salary cap? Because remember, had they had everyone healthy, they were going to be a team that was roughly 11 to $12 million over the salary cap, which is not insignificant with an $80 million salary cap.
2: Who are the other players on the Knights who would, or who you think are obvious choices to give them cap relief, if they went bye-bye? I mean,
3: the obvious choice is the one that I think they're not going to do. Uh, And I don't think the trade value is there right now because of the health situation. But Robin Leonard is by far the most obvious candidate because with what Robin Leonard gave you last year, you have reasonable questions as to both on the ice and off the ice. Can Robin Leonard be the guy that you bank an entire Stanley Cup roster on to get you all the way through? And Last season did not speak well to his ability to do that. And you're talking about clearing a multi-year commitment at five-plus million dollars off the cap uh, with Robin Leonard. So I think that's the obvious one. I don't know that they can do it. I don't think they're going to be able to get anybody to take it. Uh, Beyond that, uh, the one you probably have to look at is William Carlson because the question around William Carlson, who's making six-plus million dollars a year, the question around William Carlson was can he repeat the kind of performance that got him this contract in the first place and he hasn't been bad but 40 goal William Carlson has not made a reappearance in Las Vegas ever since getting a six-year deal so that's another one you probably look at that you probably could get some level of value for the question is can you find someone willing to pay for that level of contract
2: back to Leonard because I'm completely on board with you about his trade value you know you're selling him low can you win a Stanley Cup. Would you bet the Golden Knights to win a Stanley Cup with Logan Thompson playing 35 games and Robin Leonard hopefully being counted on for just over 45?
3: Well, here's what I would bank on. What I would bank on is if you think you saw enough from Logan Thompson's hot run last year to give him a 1A, 1B situation with someone cheaper, like a Laurent Bressois, someone at that veteran goalie level, are you willing to roll the dice on that for... 20 games, 30 games, to the point where maybe you make that trade in season, that maybe you give a fully healthy Vegas Golden Knights roster a chance to support their goalie for a while. And then maybe once the inevitable injuries come along and you have some ability to maneuver with the cap, maybe then you look for someone toward the trade deadline who is someone who can help you out. But what if you're right? What if you're right about Logan Thompson? What if you're right about signing a low-cost veteran? If you're right, then you didn't have to spend at a position where we know it is the most volatile position in all of the NHL. Goaltending goes up, goes down every single year. Think about Marc-Andre Fleury, for those who are still pining for Marc-Andre Fleury. Two years ago, Marc-Andre Fleury, following the death of his father, struggled enough that the Golden Knights brought in Robin Leonard. The next year, Marc-Andre Fleury won the Vezina. It can go up and down even with veteran guys. So I think the Golden Knights' best plan is to try to shed money at the goaltending position and go low cost
2: and fix it in season if you need to. So let's apply that up and down back to Leonard. Isn't that the reason to keep him? Not at the money that he's
3: making. No, you don't keep... No, because what you've seen out of Robin Leonard is that it's going to be very difficult for the Golden Knights, A, to stomach the cap hit, but B... Are you going to be able to put Robin Leonard into a 1A, 1B situation the way he was with Marc-Andre Fleury with Logan Thompson, with Laurent Brossois? No, he's here to be the number one goaltender if that's the case. And between the health concerns and, frankly, the volatility elsewhere with Robin Leonard that we saw... I don't know that you can count on him and i am not making in any way light of his mental health challenges because i don't think that's what we were talking about for a lot of the season what we no. were talking about with robin Leonard looked like a lack of maturity and that was the hard part i think for everyone to stomach coming off up until the last days of mark andre Fleury in vegas what had been a very stoic classy straightforward dealing with their goaltender
2: you know it's funny every time we talk about athletes Who have documented mental health issues we have to preface it by saying we're not making light of the mental health issues like later on we're going to get into what the sparks did last night with uh liz cambage getting destroyed by the aces and trying to think who we had on yesterday um oh it's natalie williams the gm of the aces and i and listen she's not going to sit there and freaking body slam she's new to the organization she's not going to body slam this Cambage, but it's just it's to me it's it's real interesting every week every time we get into one of these conversations, so we there's like a tiptoeing around it. Where you don't have to tiptoe, though, is behind the scenes. And I do wonder, and we'll get more, you know, National Hockey League experts on in the coming days. I do wonder what the rep is around the league. And I want someone to speak honestly on it, what the rep is of Leonard off the ice, and like you said, there's the mental health part of it, but there's also the lack of maturity. There's this undying loyalty until the very end of the season to be on social media. And, Candy, I wonder how many of these head coaching candidates, if they talk to anyone, I assume they have. I wonder how many have walked in and said, you know what, before we even start this, I'm out on that guy. I'm not interested. I mean, it's kind of a vital position. The questions
3: of will Robin Leonard and Pete DeBoer get along that we dealt with didn't come from Pete DeBoer. They might have come from us. We might have been the ones putting some of that out there. But we also know, as I pointed out on this show a few weeks ago, that Robin Leonard didn't do a postseason media availability with the reporters in Las Vegas. He did during that same period when everyone else was doing their avails. He did manage to go to Darren Rovell's Twitter, who has two-plus million followers, and put a very carefully crafted message out from Rovell about his friend Robin Leonard looking forward to being healthy next year after we went through all the shenanigans with Leonard saying he was having surgery, the Golden Knights saying we expect him on the bench. Like, right now, if you made me choose, and not that I have a choice at this point, because, hey, one of them's gone, I would have chosen to keep Pete DeBoer over keeping Robin Leonard, but the organization has at least done half of going against that
2: thanks again to the battle for vegas people for having riley smith in studio this morning with the press box if you missed a conversation it's up on lvsportsnetwork.com so go check out the full conversation to get your tickets to the charity game on july 18th at lv ballpark it's battle for vegas.com giveaway time right now 364 1100 364 1100 we got some late tickets here these are good ones this Saturday, the 28th MGM Grand Garden. Caller 7, you get to go to see the Eagles on their Hotel California tour. You can grab your own tickets at AXS.com. The show is 8 o'clock this Saturday, 364 Caller 7,
0: caller 7, 364 and you can go see the Eagles. Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield & Co. Yeah, he just made a
1: disrespectful comment. You know, basically, you know, trying to call me Jackie Robinson. What's up, Jackie? I don't play like that. I don't really play at all. I wasn't really, you know, bothering nobody today, but, uh, you know, he made a comment, and, uh, you know, it was, it was disrespectful. I don't think it was called for. It was necessary.
0: Now, back to Coalfield and Company in the Finlay Toyota studio.
2: Real interesting story. Uh, Candy and I are both Yankee fans. So I'm sure Candy will tell you what he thinks of Josh Donaldson here in a second. Uh, But Donaldson, and that was the voice of Tim Anderson, and Donaldson apparently calling Tim Anderson Jackie, and then Tim Anderson going to the dugout and telling his teammates, which prompted Yasmani Grandal to basically post up at catcher as Donaldson came to the plate, almost kind of daring him to punch him in the face. Tony LaRusso is a really interesting character in this one, a uh, real interesting, I'll just say that, Uh, coming out and jumping to the conclusion uh, conclusion that – It was racist. And then there was the way the Yankees are handling things. Donaldson goes on the COVID list yesterday, which, I don't know, makes me a bit cynical about what their mission is here. And Yankee employee Paul O'Neill was part of the news yesterday, Candy. Did you see the story with Paul O'Neill waiting on Zoom slash hold, ready to do an interview on the big sports station in town, well, not ESPN New York, that's the big station, but WFAN, and Tiki and Tierney are now on WFAN. They used to be on CBS National where they uh, they made the transition over to uh, the, uh, the big mothership there in New York. So Tierney makes a decision upon hearing that Paul O'Neill doesn't want to talk about the Tim Anderson, Josh Donaldson thing, Tierney's on the air, and he's like, yep, you know, we're not talking to him. What do you think? So let's start with Josh Donaldson and
3: uh, and Tim Anderson. in the first Loaded place, plate. Loaded plate. That is where we need to begin this whole thing. Uh, what Josh Donaldson did was unquestionably wrong. It was unnecessary. It was demeaning. It was something that never needed to happen and yet josh donaldson seems to relish this role he takes on as a pest he'd gone after lucas giolito from the white Sox in previous years about the sticky stuff he'd gone after his current teammate former opponent garrett cole about pitchers no longer having sticky stuff on their hands and that is reasonable pest kind of stuff making a racially charged and i don't know if i Am qualified to tell you whether it's racist or not, like Tony Larusa appointed himself to, but it's definitely a racially charged comment, and it's completely uncalled for. What was the point? Did Josh Donaldson really think he and Tim Anderson were buddies that they could get down like that? Because Tim Anderson came out later and said, "Yeah, he did say it to me in 2019," and I told him then that there's really no need for us to ever speak again. <laughs> okay, it's over. Tim yeah. Anderson. I mean, quite honestly, Tim Anderson handled that pretty respectfully. Just be like, "Yeah, I don't have time for you. I don't need to do this." And so we get to now, Paul O'Neill. And let's be honest here, man. I I am a Paul O'Neill fan as a baseball player. I enjoy his work on Yes. I don't think politically, Paul O'Neill and I would ever see eye to eye. But when it comes to Paul O'Neill being asked as a representative of what the Yes Network to go on a radio show and account for Josh Donaldson like to turn that into the dividing line over whether or not you're going to have Paul O'Neill on makes it about you it's all about tyranny at that point that's crap there's no need for that to happen he's coming on to push a book you know he's coming on to push a book which is why you were able to get the interview in the first place and so if he says hey I don't want to talk about that you have two choices you can either cut the interview or Let's just be a little self-centered here for a second, Cofield. Mm -hmm. What else could you do? You
2: could ignore them and ask him right on the air. Right. Right. How would you do it? Would you do it at the beginning or would you get the, uh, the talk of the book out there first and then transition back into the destination you wanted to get to? Well, how much do you want to make it about yourself? Because you could very easily, if you
3: want to make it all about yourself, you could say, you know what, Paul, we have you here to talk about your book today, and we really want to get to that. It's very exciting. Big topic, though, out there right now that we would be remiss if we didn't get uh, to that topic. You know who did an interview about Paul O'Neill not that long ago? David Cohn, his partner on Yes, because people were asking, why isn't Paul O'Neill in the booth? Why is Paul O'Neill doing these games from his home studio in Ohio? And the answer behind the scenes was that Paul O'Neill is unvaccinated. And because he's unvaccinated, he can't be in the booth. And David Cohn didn't really give you a big answer to the question, but he wasn't surprised by the question. He took it. So what? Did the handlers from the book company say, don't ask Paul O'Neill about this? You think Paul O'Neill wouldn't come up with an answer? He's talked about it on the air. You're saying you he wouldn't talk about it? No, you want a big controversy all about you, all about Tierney. That's blowhard stuff. That's amateur. Well,
2: it sounded like they found out while he was on hold. What do you mean? Like I know, amazing, amazing. They only found that out. You got to make a call while while he's
3: on hold, man. What's your problem? What a professional. What a professional. Thinking on his feet. We might as well send him out to combat. He's just that kind of quick thinker. The ones we need standing up for the rights of... I'm sorry, let me check my notes here. Um... What? The radio station? Come on, man. What did he say? What does his tweet say? My number one priority is the show. The audience! I did it for you! I did it for you! Uh Uh-uh. The audience doesn't have any ratings to worry about. You do.
2: I I like your interpretation by reading the rest of the tweet. I like your version of it. Keep going. That will never change when we accept dictated
3: terms of what we can and cannot ask. And we accept all credibility is lost. That will never happen. To avoid the biggest topic of the weekend, simply
2: cannot have it. No disrespect at all.